Oh, yeah, work matters. I'll tell you who's working today. Our tech team is working today. Uh, we've had technical issues all morning, but we are persevering, and as Trish said, God is good, but so too are all of our volunteers that are working sound knobs and everything. So let's just give it up. Everyone back there, up there, everyone behind the stages. It's the coolest thing. A lot of them are high schoolers who are pouring in, and uh, it's just a beautiful thing. So work matters. We're gonna talk about the matters of work matters, but we have to at least start with the question of, does it? I mean, does, does it really? So in the last couple of months, one of the best advancements that, have, that has happened in the Diebel home is that one of my high school daughters is mowing the lawn. I mean, this is like I've been working towards this day, and it's just awesome, man. I just see her out there, and the hotter it is outside, the prouder I am, you know. It feels like an agrarian society. She's out there, and she's working. It's amazing. But she came to me like two weeks ago. She's like, Dad, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. Right? And, and I'm like, yeah, sure. It worked for you in spring, didn't it? Right? And, now it's a, and, uh, and so I... I said, well, what is it? She goes, well, I just don't like mowing down slums. So we live on a corner, there's a neighborhood street, but we're right along a busiest street called Flum. She goes, Dad, I don't like mowing. And I'm, I, I'm like, honey, it'll take, it takes you like five minutes. She goes, I know, I just don't like it. I'm like, well, why? And she says, well, it's just all those cars driving around seeing me. And I'm like, yes, that's, I mean, I, it's so cool. Like, that's my daughter. I want everyone's like, she's out there working is what, you know. And, uh, and she's like, but I'm not comfortable, Dad. And then that's when my wife pipes in and says, honey, I'm kind of with her. It's a little weird for, and in business terms, this is what we call partner misalignment moment. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm kind of thinking, well, okay, you mow like 95% of it, but I still got to get dressed in my mowing clothes and go do five minutes worth of a, you know, mowing down flum. And in my head, I start just to go, wait a minute. I mean, her wages are adjusted to inflation handsomely, yeah. right? Uh, we're paying for all of her expenses. We're all the maintenance, capital, you know, expenses, uh, the depreciation. We're paying for her gas, all the overhead. We're we're outsourcing to a third party the more uh, sophisticated work on the lawn, all that all that stuff. And she's got awesome benefits, man. I mean, medical, dental, insurance, Netflix. You know, she she's got it all. And, and this is crazy. Like in her home, we we have like. For Team Diebel, we, we, we have a food court. There's like a kitchen. It's fully stocked. We even have a chef on hand. It's my wife, right? And it's like, it's amazing. And, and in fact, she, this is like all under the table. There's no taxes. She doesn't have to fill out a W-9. I shouldn't say that. But I mean, this is tax-free work. And she's got equity. Like, I'm going to die one day. And she's like a stakeholder. She's in the will and the trust. Like, all of this is working for her. And I'm about to lean in and just go, you know, be the, 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 the tough guy. And then it hits me. Like, you know, it is a really tight labor market right now. <laughs> like, good people are really hard to find, right? And, and I I'm not going to go back out there and mow. Like, that ship has sailed. So I better not push too hard here. Would I rather her mow 95% of the lawn and I'll take the, the strip along from, I don't know, but what I do know, the numbers point to for every one person looking for a job, there's 1.9 jobs available. This means that if you are in a place as an employer or you are in HR, you, uh, you're, you're struggling right now to, in the words of Jack Johnson, where did all the good people go, right? Now, I do wanna recognize some of us are in between jobs. There's transition 
for you. And just because there's two jobs for every one person looking doesn't mean that in the area you're looking that you can find that. We want to be sensitive to that. And yet, for those that uh, have jobs even, the question is, for those that are gainfully employed, what does their engagement even look like? I want to show you a graph. This is from Gallup. This is a meta-analysis, and it's recent. It's actually from uh, 2022, even though it goes to 2021 there, I'm just noticing. But uh, look at the top line. That is the green line that's active engagement of those who are gainfully employed. By engagement, here's what, what they mean. They mean those who are involved and enthusiastic about their work and their workplace. That's their culture and who they get to work with, et cetera. So 34%, you see that's trending down, first time in a decade that it's trended down to 34%. In other words, flip that around, just about two-thirds of every single person who has a job is not enthusiastic or involved in their work or in their workplace. Would you say we have an engagement problem? Now look at the blue line. What does the blue line stand for? Active disengagement. 16% of the two-thirds that are not actively engaged are actually actively disengaged. They're still in your company. They're still like at a cube and they're a coworker, but they aren't just like punching in the clock here. They're actually undermining all that you're trying to do. They're toxic, many people would say, and they're sabotaging the culture in which you're working and or leading. So if you're a leader, by the way, this graph means a lot. You, your culture, which trumps strategy, is, this is gonna tell you something. If you are an HR, how many of you are in HR? This gives you, this breaks you out in a cold sweat, doesn't it? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is my job, and I know. That if, this, if that engagement number goes down, then the culture's gonna go down, performance is gonna go down, there's gonna be turn, there's gonna be turnover, there's gonna be conflict in the workplace, there's gonna be, and your job's just gonna get heavier and heavier. But if you turn that upwards and you begin to see engagement, you're gonna see retention go up, you're gonna see loyalty go, go up, you're gonna see job satisfaction, meaning you're gonna see a sense of purpose, you're gonna see people start to flourish, there's gonna be alignment, there's gonna be better execution, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Because when we are actively engaged, we feel most fully alive. When we are actively engaged as human beings, we feel most fully alive. And then we show up as our best selves uh, at our place of work. So let me just ask you, where are you on this graph? Are you actively engaged, enthusiastic, and involved in your work and in your workplace? Are you actively disengaged? Hope not. Are you somewhere in between? Let's just throw this back up here for a moment. I just want us to look at the graph. Are you somewhere closer to the green line? Or are you somewhere closer to the blue line? And by the way, when we talk about work, we're talking about you could be in medicine. You could be in the trades. You could be in science. You could be an artist. You could be a farmer. Uh, you could be working in a factory. You could be in hospitality. You could be in retail. You could be in leadership. What, whatever that is, you could be in sales. And in fact, in fact, you could be a parent. You, you don't even have to be gainfully employed for this to, to matter. Why? What is work? Let me give you the definition. It comes straight from Webster's. Here it is. The definition for work is this. Right, right. 
activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a result or a purpose, okay? Mental, so it's like parents, like some of you stay-at-home dads, some of you stay-at-home moms or whatever, does it require mental or physical effort? Are you uh, working towards a purpose or some form of effort? Yes, you are. So this applies to all of us wherever we find ourselves in this place. Because when we're actively engaged, we feel most fully alive. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that you and I, as it relates to our work, are actively engaged? Here's why. Because God was the first worker and he was actively engaged in his work. If you just turn to how it, this beautiful truth it captured in a poetic structure of how God created all things out of nothing, it's called ex nihilo, how he did that, I want you to get a sense. Is he just mailing it in? Is he just like, just checking the box? Or is he enthusiastic and is he involved in his work and in his workplace? So let's just do a quick survey. Pastor Randy, in a couple of weeks, he's gonna go deep dive here, but I just wanna do a quick survey. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and it says, let there be light, and there was light. And then it's like, God's like, well, wait, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Uh, and it was so. And then God says, and let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And then we see and God saw that it was good. We're gonna see the structure of let there, and it was so, and it was good. Now, God says, let the land produce vegetation, and he goes on to de describe seed-bearing plants and trees, etc. and it was so, and God saw that it was good. And let there hmm, be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and it was so, it goes on to say, and God saw that it was good. Is he involved? Is he enthusiastic? Is he just mailing this in? Don't think so. Then he said, let the water, and I love this word, team. Let this water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And God saw, it says later, that it was good. Then he goes, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. He gives all sorts of descriptions. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. And now, for his climactic moment, then God said, and here it changes from let this, let that, to let us, God says. Let us, talking about the one triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make humankind, mankind, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky. Now this is the big climax moment, and God builds into you and to I a so that moment. And we're gonna talk next week about how every single one of us need a deep purpose, a deep why, a deep so that that gets us out of bed in the morning. We see it right here, and it was so. And then we jump down to verse 31. God saw that all that he had made, and it was, and for the first time, it's not just good, it's very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the what? Work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Do you get a sense of God being fully and actively engaged in his work, in his creation? And in fact, there's a word to describe who God is as a worker that I think will apply to so many of us. 
If you started a little side hustle gig and you got a little thing on your own, if you started a company and you're working out of your garage, or you've got a few 1099 subcontractors working, or you build something up and you've been scaling it for some time, here's what's really, really important. The, the best way to describe God as a worker is that he is an entrepreneur. From a great book that uh, I've just started reading called Called to Create by Jordan Rayner, here's how he describes what we just read and experienced. Not only did God create something new, but equally important for our definition of entrepreneurship, he created something for the good of others. That God was completely captivated, we could say, by all that he was making. He was fully engaged and it was taking risks. Have you ever thought about the risk God took to actually create things and then to entrust us to be co-collaborators with him in that? And that he's not just doing it for himself, but he's doing it for us and for our flourishing. This is incredible. Dr. Richard Mao, president of Fuller Seminary back in the day, he said this, God is an entrepreneur, he writes. He leveraged, this is what entrepreneurs do, he leveraged his resources at great cost to himself. He made space in the universe for us. He made space for you and for me to live, breathe, and to have our being, the scriptures say. For us to find our purpose and to co-collaborate, co-create, and take those same risks and, and make those same costs and to join him in all of this. In other words, we were made for active engagement, you and I. Truthfully, there might be a little bit of that. And truthfully, uh, nothing's sweeter than we, when we experience active engagement because we're living from God's design. If we just go back to Genesis chapter one, verse 26, let's just read that one more time. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule, and we're given this commissioning, and Pastor Randy will go into that more, but from this place comes the dignity of work and the thrill. And I gotta tell you, I know moments in my life, in my vocational history, where I have not felt fully alive or actively engaged, and that is a painful place. And I know the experience of what it is like to wake up with fire in my belly every single morning. And when we do that, and as we grow into that place more and more, we're living more God in that place. Now, why? Why, if that's true, God made you and I for active engagement, to be involved and enthusiastic in your work and in your workplace? Why then the graph? Why two-thirds of every single person who's gainfully employed is not actively engaged? Well, the answer in short, sin. That's why. And you might go, Dan, it's that simplistic. Does everything come back to sin? Kind of. Kind of. Think about it. If you work in a large organization, what's the organization consist of? The culmination of a lot of different departments and business units, Right? And, and what are those departments and business units made up of? Like teams, right, lots of them. And then what are those teams made up of? I heard it earlier, people, and who are people? We are made in the image of God, and so we're beautiful, but we're also broken by sin. And whenever people come together, there will be trouble, right? Sin 
distorts all good things, including our work. And in fact, it's not just you and I that are broken, it's actually part of creation got broken too. And that's where when we look in Genesis chapter three, uh, the, the scriptures are gonna describe your work and my work as the ground that we tend. And here's what it says. Cursed is the ground because of you, because of this decision, this great rebellion that caused sin to happen. Through painful toil, how many of us experience the hardship of work? Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. How many of you in your work right now, you're experiencing thorns and thistles and you know them by name? Right? Okay. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Why do we not experience naturally a sense of active engagement in our work? The answer is work is hard because sin has distorted all good things, including our work. So how do we go about our work knowing that God has made you to be actively engaged? How do we do that? And what's our reaction to the fact that it just gets hard? Like, what do we do? So the, the, the curse is the ground. So, so what do we do? Well, there's basically two broad opposite ends of the spectrum reactions that we do. When work is hard, right? When it's hard, we go of one of two places. And I'm indebted to Pastor Randy for this. He came up with this, and I think it's fantastic and genius. We either go to idle work or we go to idle work. Hmm? See what he's doing there? We either go to idle, I-D-L-E, if you're listening by podcast, or we go to idle work. And here we say, work doesn't matter. And we say, oh, yes, it does. Work is the only thing that matters where it becomes our God. And in the words of Ecclesiastes, actually you can see both of these things reflected in the Old Testament book, Ecclesiastes. Here we see it just paired together in a short sentence. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves, talking right here about being idle, right? And kind of echoing from the Proverbs about a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of our hands, and then it leads to our ruin. Continues, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with what? Toil and a chasing after the, the wind. And with such economy, we see the two ends of the spectrum. Now let's break it down for a moment. If you have the tendency when work gets hard just to cash it in, just say, all right, I'm, I'm out. From a sense of hopelessness, despair, whatever it might be, your apathy goes up. Right? Oh, who gives a rip, we say. And if your apathy goes up and you were made in, by the very image of God to be actively engaged in your work and you're not living from that place, deep within you at an existential level, you feel a sense of self-loathing. I, I work with somebody who works with somebody who has a coworker who literally told her Oh, no, I don't give my best at work. I am in pursuit of the absolute bare minimum, he said. Isn't that incredible? That's somebody living from this place. By the way, I should, um, 
I should probably offer you a little bit more context if you're new around here. So I have the joy and privilege of serving as a part-time teaching pastor here under Pastor Randy at Westside. My full-time gig is about two years plus ago, I started a company in which we do things like this. So I'm super passionate about it. You might hear me reference throughout this series like this client, this engagement, and if you're thinking I'm a pastor talking about clients, that would be weird, <laughs> right? So I just wanna give you that context. Um, most of my days, I spent in the workplace. Okay, so uh, when you're idle, your apathy goes up, your self-loathing also goes up, and then what do you do? You tweet. <laughs> or you snap, you know, or you TikTok. You do, you do whatever, but, you know, in the words of Jack Johnson, where did all good people go? They went online, and they're mostly mean. And why are they mean? Oftentimes it's because they are lacking a deep sense of purpose uh, with, within them, and they have nothing but time on their hands. And however that gets reflected, either digitally or in person, there's something that when we don't like about ourselves, it comes out funky. And at the bottom and at the end of the day, we have lost a sense of that dignity by which God has made us to work and to work hard. Yes? Yes? So now, let's flip it to the other extreme. When, when work becomes our God and becomes our idol, then our apathy doesn't go up, our striving does. And when our striving goes up, we still are about ourselves, but we're now not self-loathing as much as we are self-absorbed. And what is it like to be on the other side of you in that moment? You're distracted, you're stressed always, you're never present, so we'll just say you're consumed. You have no time to tweet, because you're way too busy and consumed by all the demands upon you in, in, in servitude of your master called your job. What is the net effect of that? Ironically, the same exact thing. You too have lost a sense of dignity. Why? Because you are more than your job because your identity isn't grounded in whether you are delivering upon your goals, whether you hit your quota, whether you received your promotion, or any of those things, your identity is grounded in the fact that you were made in the image of God, and he is actively engaged and cares for you with enthusiasm. That is what it means to be a son or daughter of a king in heaven. And when we allow our work to become the all-consuming thing, it's no fun to be around you, just like over here, and we lose a sense of who we really, really are. Do you see how both extremes lead to the same exact place? So let me ask you, when work gets hard, which of these two options do you find yourself leaning towards or going? Do you go more to the just, I'm just throwing the towel, go to idle work? Doesn't mean you, you tweet and you're mean, good, but it just means like I have a sense of uh, just kind of cashing it in, hopelessness. Or do you go to the other side and strive and work and work and work and chase after the wind? How many of you just say, yep, okay, uh, I go to the idle side. I just tend to kind of throw in the towel a little bit, right? How many, anybody wanna say, say that? Okay, thank you for your honesty. By the way, the, we're, we're, none of these are better than the other, so we're all gonna find ourselves in a bad place, okay? 
So how many of you would say, no, I go to the idle side, work becomes my master, and I live in servitude to it at the loss of my own sense of identity and being? Okay, more of us online, please go ahead and post that as well. What is the, the new way? Is there a third way? To live most fully alive as God is designed to be actively engaged, involved, and with enthusiasm in our work and our workplace. Is there a third way? How can we do this differently? And the answer is yes, I'm again indebted to uh, this great book, Jordan Rayner. He comes up with three very big and broad movements that for me are really, really helpful. Three things that we need as it applies to our work to live with active engagement. Number one, it starts with trust. Trust. To actually start from a place of surrender and humility to say, hey, I might be smart, and I have a lot of gifts, but at the end of the day, if we're gonna experience breakthrough, if this is gonna become something, if we're gonna uh, see this thing grow, scale, whatever it might be, I'm gonna start with the fact that it's not gonna be by my own ingenuity. It's not gonna be by my, my own like machinations. It's gonna be because God is sovereign and he has chosen willfully to move in this way in my life, in my work, in my company. Starts from a place of surrender. I love the reminder that we're given in the Old Testament from Deuteronomy 8 that just says this. So when you say to yourselves, my power, my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. No, 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 no. Remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now I wanna say, just as an aside, God does not exist to make you wealthy. That's not the goal. He does not want for you prosperity. That could happen, that might happen. What does he want for you? Yeah, he wants relationship. He wants active engagement. He wants you, heart, mind, and soul, to be most fully alive. That happens sometimes through prosperity and sometimes through suffering, and we all know that, right? Okay, so I just wanna be really, really clear about that. Okay, starts in a place of trust. Do you start your day? Do you start your Monday? Do you start your week from a place of, all right, without you, Without you, God, need you here, all right? That's number one. Then we move to number two. Equally love this word, and it's simply hustle, hustle. We go after it, we put our hand on the plow, we don't look back, we push our chips all in, we leave it all in the field, we just go after it with all that we've got, with all of our ingenuity. We put together the business plan, the pro forma, we put together our punch list. We work hard, why? Because we're doing it unto God. The scriptures say. So whatever you do, the apostle Paul writes, right? Do it with all of your heart, not for your supervisor, but for the Lord we're commissioned to do. We get after it. We hustle. Had the opportunity to, uh, to begin a new engagement with a new client. One of their key leaders actually goes here. It's really fun. And on their wall in the conference room, there are all these awesome pictures of like action words, like Go, you know, like go, boom, boom, boom. And here's one of my favorites. It's right there, hustle, the most important word ever. And I told him, I said, because he's a West Sider, I said, on the side, I said, hey, by the way, I think you're missing two words on your wall, so, but you'll have to come Sunday to, to, hear, to hear, hear what they are. So uh, ho hopefully he's here. But um, okay, so we hustle, we get after it. And then we, one more thing. Anybody wanna know? There's only, there's three words. What would be the missing word right here? No pressure, but the first two services got it without me telling them. 
Oh, balance, that's good. That's, yeah, that's close. That's close. Anybody want to take another guess? Rest. Rest, yes. And truthfully, I hate it when people get the answer right before I give it to them. It's just, it's, you know, I feel smarter, you know? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna stop. All right, so it is, it is rest. And what did we see in the scriptures? What did we see from uh, this moment in Genesis chapter one? That on the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed that seventh day, made it holy, because on it, he rested from the work of creating that he, had done, that he had done. In other words, God is not only the first worker, he's also the first rester. And he's modeled for you and I something super important for our health, balance, and well-being, is we're gonna take that moment in a day, in a week, where we say, God, I'm gonna just let you run the world for a while. I'm gonna seize my productivity for me, this is Sunday when I'm not teaching. It's a whole day where I have very limited tech, where uh, no consumption. Amazon can do without me for a day. They'll be just fine, right? Um, and where I choose presence over productivity. And I just seek rest. It's my, favorite, it's my favorite day of the week. I work so hard here. I struggle. Work can become my master if I'm not careful. But I love this moment where I give myself no choice, no tech, no consumption, no productivity. I just do the things that I enjoy. I watch golf with one of my daughters. I read a book that I otherwise wouldn't read. I grill out. I mow down flum. <laughs> and I do those things that give me rest. And let me tell you what happens there. What happens here, and in fact, this happened uh, uh, a week or two ago. I was, uh, I was weeding just a little bit, and I had a shovel, and I was just taking it back to the garage, and all of a sudden, this fear moment just popped into my head, and it was about the economy, and it's about where it might be going, and what's the next quarter, and the following quarter, and what's 2023 gonna look like, and all these things, and just like seizes me up in this moment, and as a small business owner, I'm like, oh my gosh, and I've got a couple of new team members, and all of these things, and without being committed to this day, I would have gone immediately right here, opened up the laptop, and said, I guess it's all on me. And I'd never get out of it. And then I'd be in servitude to the wrong master, to the wrong boss. But instead, between the backyard to the garage to return my shovel, I was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah. God, you're sovereign. And when I look over my life, you've been faithful every step of the way. When we started this business over two years ago, and, and here we are, and actually, every engagement, every client, if I go down the list, I go, that wasn't me, that wasn't me, that was all you, that wasn't me, that was all you. How did that happen? God, I have no idea. That wasn't me, that was all you. And I see all the different ways he chose in that moment in time to bring what he wanted. And it just returned me back to a place of trust because there was an availability and a presence to him that never happens here. So I just wanna, I wanna ask you something. Another little diagnostic tool here of these three big moments and movements, zero to 10, zero to 10, zero to 10. If you had to just rate yourself in each one of these areas as kind of core components, what's the area of growth for you? You need to pay attention to this, okay? So I just want you to do a blank exercise. I'm gonna give you five seconds. Which area do you most 
need to give attention to. Okay? How many of you just say, I gotta work on trust? This area, I just, there's a surrender, there's a humility. Okay, fair amount of hands. Go ahead and post it in the chat box too to our online community. How many of you just like, you know what? I've been cashing it in. I haven't been giving my best. I haven't been showing up with my best. I'm gonna do something about that. Hustle. How many of you just know you gotta, like, good, great. You gotta work on hustle. How many of you, all right, I need to take rest seriously. It is a 10 commandment after all. And it's so much for us, not something God wants from us. How many of you? Okay, so my question for you is, what are you gonna do about it? Before your head hits the pillow tonight, will you write up an activation plan? How are you gonna rest? What does it look like for you to trust? If you have a, a, somebody in your life that you, you say, hey, hold me accountable list, what do you want them to ask you by the end of tonight? Did you set a plan to trust more, to hustle and get after it? or to rest, and by the way, as we live from these three things, I just kinda made up a term, a phrase for what this is as we're living in this place, and it's just called holy hustle. (laughs) This is our holy hustle, right? So let's get after it. And let me tell you somebody who's doing just that. We have have, uh, created these very distinguished awards. It's called the West Sider Award. It's for the person living from this place. We've asked online through social media to, for you all to nominate people that you know. And John Myers, you are the West Sider Holy Hustler of the Week. I believe you are here. Where are you, John? Come on up, man. Come on up. I believe it was Samantha that nominated you. She said this. It was your, it's your kindness and generosity towards your coworkers and your clients. So here you go. It's heavy, John. It's heavy. So, you know, two hands. Let's give it up for John. Let's give it up. Well done, man. Well done. We want to know where that's going to go. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, if you are able, would you, would you stand with us in this moment? Because I want to, I want to remind us one more thing. God didn't just set all creation into motion like a clock and set it to tick and walk away. It's not like he just worked and then he was done. Actually, God is still actively engaged in his work. He is involved and with enthusiasm in his work and his workplace. And what is his workplace and what is his work? It's all creation. It's us as a family, a Westside family. It's in your household and family. It's in you that God wants, and look with me here at Colossians chapter three. God is working in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Not just since before the foundations of the earth began, but in that moment where he became flesh and in the person of Jesus walked among us and surrendered his life for us. And by the power of heaven, he was raised to new life, promising the same resurrection for you and I, the same forgiveness, the same active engagement of being made fully alive. And one day he will return and he'll make all things new. And you'll no longer feel pain and the ground will no longer be cursed and he will return with enthusiasm. God is actively engaged wherever you are in your life. And to remember that by, if you grab the elements on the way in, I wanna say to our online community, 
Go to your pantry, go to your fridge, grab some bread, some juice, whatever you have. We're gonna trust that God is gonna place into our hands that which he'll make sacred and symbolic of that moment in which his body was beaten and his body was broken. And he willfully chose it out of love for you and I. Let's remember, take and eat. And in the same way, the blood flowed from Calvary, the blood from his veins flowed, not only for the forgiveness of sins, but by creating a new way of relating with him. God did this because he's involved and he's actively engaged in your life. So let's take and drink in remembrance of him. And Lord Jesus, today we just wanna say, you are our Lord. We work unto your glory. We wanna give you our very best. Meet us in our places of disengagement. Anchor us in our place of active engagement. And bring us by way of your Holy Spirit most fully alive. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we say, and now we sing, amen.